Hey man, John here. Look, I know you love my voice because you've been listening to it for so many years now, but I'm sure I've mentioned to you that I also do audiobooks and all sorts of fun little things. So, you know what, man? You can totally hire me. And it's easy enough to go to www.johnwatersvoiceover.com. That's johnwatersvoiceover.com to hire me, check out podcasts, and even, if you're not convinced, I'm going to give you free stuff. I got promo codes for all kinds of books to suit your fancy and try my voice out. But also, if you've tried out my voice, you've heard it, you love it, and you're like, I want to support this guy some more. Well, man, I got something for you. I got a store right there on that same site, johnwatersvoiceover.com forward slash store. And man, oh man, we got shirts, hats, we got mugs, we got stuff that you cannot live without, especially if you're a fan of me. So come on and check it out, man. johnwatersvoiceover.com. You'll get great oral and then some. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of The Gospel According to Stupid. I'm Johnny Waters, and this is my podcast where I read the Bible from cover to cover because I'm suffering more through Kingdom Hearts 3 than anything I've ever suffered through, um, probably this last month. <laughs> uh, hey, gang, how is everybody doing? Um, yeah, today is going to be an easy day and probably a really quick one, too. Of uh, We're going to review Song of Solomon. Now, you could have listened to the half-hour-ish episode, and uh, gotten pretty much everything. But of course, we like to do a summary unless it's, you know, eventually Obadiah. That's like one chapter um, that is like, uh, just listen to that. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Um, yeah, that's what we're doing. So business up front. We're, uh, you can reach out to us at according to stupid at gmail.com. You can also uh, see us at uh, on the Twitter sphere at accord to stupid. Uh, and then... Um, the web the web the web the website www.johnwatersvoiceover.com forward slash podcasts where you can check us out you can even pick up a t-shirt if you want which is super nice and it'd be great if you did because elves send it right the fuck to you um yeah man um here the fuck we go we uh we read uh, song of Solomon and uh, I don't quite have uh, the same stuff that I usually pull up, but I have three here. I got our um, Song of Solomon. Uh, oh, wait a second. That's not it. Uh, <laughs> I got the Sparknotes version of Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison, not the Bible. Uh, <laughs> hold on just one second. Um, <clears throat> maybe... Maybe there'll be something. No? Uh, well, fuck. We might have a lot less here. Uh, Bible. There we go. Maybe something will come up here. Spark notes. Oh, the old... T there we go. Now we're... Turns out some of these are not exactly the same. Uh, we have uh, the Bible Old Testament. Here we go. Of uh, Song of Solomon. We have Shmoop going through the Song of Solomon. And... Um, Finally, we have a got questions, your answers, biblical answers. Got your questions, biblical answers. Um, so somebody did that one. Don't know who, but whatever. Um, ooh, kindling your love with the Song of Solomon. Oh, 
You know what? Fuck it. Let's see what that one's about, too. Um, here we go. All right, let's, um, I don't know. Let's start with this got questions one. This seems very biblical, and we'll keep with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, author Solomon wrote Song of Solomon according to the first verse. This song is one of 1,005 that Solomon wrote. First Kings 4.32. The song title Song of Songs is a superlative. Meaning this is the best one, because it's all about fucking... Yeah. Uh, date of writing. Solomon most likely wrote this song during his early part of his reign. Uh, okay. This, play, uh, this would place the date of composition around 965 BC. Purpose of writing. The Song of Solomon is a lyric poem written to extol the virtues of love between a husband and his wife, whose tits he loves because they're... <laughs> they're kind of cancerous. Uh, the poem clearly presents marriage as God's design. A man and woman are to live together with the context of marriage, loving each other spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Spiritually? Uh-oh, that's not a good way to go about it. But okay, I, I don't remember the marriage part of this, or the spiritually part, but I do remember being a lot of tit parts and fucking. This book combats two extremes, asceticism, the denial of all pleasure, and hedonism, the pursuit of only pleasure, which is a fun way to live. The marriage profiled in uh, Song of Solomon is a, is a model of care, commitment, and delight, because tits are great. Key verses uh, 2, 7, 3, 5, and 8, 4 do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Well, I can't fucking talk to him. It just kind of happens. Song of Solomon 5, 1. Hold on, I just had the thought about the earlier one. Uh, you know, maybe it's a forced thing. Be like, don't force love, man. <laughs> you know, don't jump into things too quick. Song of Solomon 5.1. Eat, O friends, and drink. Drink your fill, O lovers. I don't remember that one, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Song of Solomon 8, 6 to 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. I, maybe? It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters yeah, cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Wait, but I, now I'm confused. <laughs> um, hmm. Brief summary. The poetry takes the form of a dialogue between a husband, the king, and his wife, the Shulamite. Does it? I don't remember that. He can divide the book into three sections... Uh, the courtship, 1-1 to 3-5, the wedding, 3-6 to 5-1, and the maturing marriage, 5-2 to 8-14. The song begins before the wedding, uh, as the bride-to-be longs to be with her betrothed, and she looks forward, oh, I do remember her leaving, or him leaving, or something like that, and she looks forward to his intimate caresses, we're gonna fuck, however, she advises letting love develop naturally in its own time, well, probably because they haven't met each other in this. The king praises the Shulamite beauty, overcoming her feelings of insecurity about her appearance. You got some fine tits, and I want them in my hands. <laughs> uh, the Shulamite has a dream in which he loses Solomon. Oh, she loses Solomon, and searches throughout the city for him. Oh, that was a dream? With the help of the city guard, she finds her beloved and clings to him, taking him to a safe place and fucking him. Upon waking, she repeats her injunction not to force love. Oh, I thought she fucked him there. On the wedding night, the husband again praises the beauty of his wife in highly symbolic language. The wife invites her spouse to partake of all she has to offer. You may take from me 
they make love, and God blesses their union. Do they? Does he? I don't really know if he does. Because in this thing, blessing the marriage is like, how many kids can they possibly have? As the marriage matures, the husband and wife go through a difficult time, symbolized in another dream. In the second dream, the Shulamite rebuffs her husband and he leaves. Overcome with guilt, she searches the city for him, but this time, instead of helping her, the guards beat her, symbolic of her pained conscience. Again, I don't remember this, but okay. Things end happily as the lovers reunite and are reconciled, because, you know, the guards beat her instead of the husband. As the song ends, both the husband and wife are confident and secure in their love. They sing of the lasting nurture of true love, and they yearn to be in each other's presence. Foreshadowing, some Bible interpretations see in Song of Solomon an exact symbolic representation of Christ and his church. He's going to fuck the church? Christ is seen as the king, while the church is represented by the Shulamite. So he's going to fuck the church. While we believe the book should be understood literally as a depiction of marriage, there are some elements that foreshadow the church in her relationship with her king, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Solomon 2.4 describes the experience of every believer who is sought and brought by the Lord Jesus. Again, hasn't shown up. If he hasn't shown up, he doesn't partake in this particular bit of history. We are in a place of great spiritual wealth and are covered by his love. <laughs> yeah, ropes of it. Verse 16 of chapter 2 says, My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. NKJV. New King James Version, I guess. Uh, there is a picture of not only the security of the believer in Christ, John, again, this doesn't matter, uh, John 10, 28, 29, but the good shepherd who knows his sheep, believers, and lays down his life for us, John 10, 11, again, shouldn't be, should be stricken from this. Because of him, we are no longer stained by sin. Okay. Like, it seems every one of these fucking, motherfucking, biblical, like, just remember... That even though this happened a fucking millennia before Jesus even showed up. Remember, John said this and that said that and blah, blah, blah. This it doesn't fucking matter. The parallel I can understand later on, but it seems to me that it always brings forward being like, Remember, this goes backwards in time. It doesn't work. It doesn't quite work this way. Because it isn't this. It isn't that. <laughs> you understand? It isn't, if we're talking about an entirely bit of love coming from uh, church and God, not Jesus, God, because those two are of two fucking separate people because I just cannot wrap my head around transubstantiation. Can't do it. I understand I'm being Catholic and the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost bullshit, but like, listen, <laughs> no matter how hard I try, you know, I cannot become my own father, and neither can this guy. And that's probably why I don't really believe too terribly much for it. I'm just like, you know what, man? Like, Jesus is totally separate. He is connected to God, but he is not God. If he were, then why would his last words, Father, he knows not what he does, or what they do, or whatever the fuck it is? You understand? He's, if he's talking to a completely other person, wouldn't he be talking to himself? Wouldn't that save himself some time? They know not what they do. But he says, Father, they know not what they do. Let's double check that because I need to be sure. Father, forgive them. They, know not, uh, they do not know what they are doing. Regardless, it starts with Father. Father, they know not what they do. As in Luke. 
So, argument against that. Anyway, they're just trying to pull this shit back around, not showing that there is a connection with this. The better connection would be that, you know, if we stray away or if we move away, we are beaten back into place and then we like it, right? So this whole next three sentences don't fucking matter. Right? Like, it does. It has no bearing on this. I don't think. But this is fun. Here's a picture not only of security of the believer in Christ, but of the good shepherd who knows his sheep, believers, and lays down his life for us. Huh. You know, with all the vaccine shit coming around and people being called sheep for getting said vaccine, it seems odd to me that all these people who seem to believe in God, um, you know, <laughs> are like, you sheep, and uh, yet... Their savior, and assumingly mine as well, is, uh, you know, the whole thing about being a shepherd and a sheep. So, uh, hmm. <laughs> can, you, can, you make the, can you make the leap? <laughs> because of him we are no longer stained by sin, having had our spots removed by his blood. Which does not make any fucking sense. <laughs> his sacrifice, his blood would actually make it more messy. Practical application. Our world is confused about marriage. Is it? The prevalence of divorce and modern attempts to redefine marriage stand in glaring contrast to Solomon's song. So we should beat our wives if they go away or if they're rebuffed, then we should... If they say, eh, I don't really feel like it tonight, you should instantly leave and have the police beat the fuck out of her and then she'll come the fuck around. And then you just fuck the shit out of her tits when, you know, whatever you fucking want. Which, you know, as a boy, <laughs> sounds great. But that doesn't quite work that way, does it? Mm -mm. Uh, because, you know, women are people. Mind blown. Marriage, says the biblical poet, you could have just said Solomon, is to be celebrated, enjoyed, and revered, as opposed to, this book provides some practical guidelines for strengthening our marriages. Our marriages? Very communist of you. One, give your spouse the attention he or she needs. Take the time to truly know your spouse. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Two, encouragement and praise, not criticism, are vital to a successful relationship. That's a good point. Being like, you didn't do it fucking right! Now fuck yourself! If you think you can do it better, then you are welcome to motherfucking try! Yeah, that's pretty much where that goes. Yeah, get it. Three, enjoy each other. Well... Plan some getaways, be creative, even playful with each other. Delight in God's gift of married love and play with each other's assholes. Four, do whatever is necessary to reassure your commitment to your spouse. Um, renew your vows, work through problems, and do not consider divorce as a solution. It is, but, you know. God intends for you both to live in a deeply peaceful, secure love. He doesn't know that. What if I'm supposed to divorce this one? I hope not. I already did it once. I'm pretty sure I don't want to do it again. Um, <laughs> but God's intent on that? Fuck you. Get out of this. <laughs> oh, damn it. The intimacy book is doesn't exist. The product you're looking for isn't here. I wonder if I type in how to have sex the Christian way. <laughs> Oh, hello, we have found one. How to enjoy sex the way God designed. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Hold on, there are two here. 
How to enjoy sex the way God designed and Christian sex, what Christian couples are allowed to do. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, okay, we're going to hop right into that and then we'll get back to the thing. Okay, how to enjoy sex the way God designed is our first one. And we're going to find this fucking out. Let's see. This is written by Leela Zander, an eight-minute read. Okay, sex, masturbation, and women is the uh, thing on here. And I bet it gets a lot of hints. Uh, we're reading from cru.com, crew.org, excuse me. All right, so how to enjoy sex the way God designed. Desire series number two. Oh, this is going to be fun. I love this. Uh, sex was designed to be enjoyed. Yay, we're all on the same page. You probably don't need to be told that. Well, you know, we weren't meant to just endure it as we went about the business of filling the earth with little humans. What? Who's the we part? But if you're reading this article, it's possible you think there's a right way to enjoy sex and a wrong way. Yes, yes, there is. Perhaps you're struggling with sexual temptation. No, well, yes. But sometimes wonder why you're bothering to fight. Excuse me? The answer lies in understanding some basic truths about sex. Truths we learn from the one who designed it. Here we go. Why did God create sex? Well, he probably wanted more people to populate. He didn't want to keep creating on his own. So he, you know, left the whole creation thing to us. That's my guess. The Bible teaches that since the beginning of time, God has existed as a perfect union between three persons, revered to as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No one really understands. I, I don't really understand that. What the fuck does that mean? Perfect union between three people? So are we throwing out there that we should be having threesomes constantly with ourselves? <laughs> God, I'm looking forward to the multiverse theory. <sighs> hmm. Just finished watching Loki anyway. So God is himself a perfect relationship. Okay. One God, three parts. That doesn't make any sense. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What does that fucking mean? Serving, adoring, and honoring one another. So wait. How does that actually work? Who's serving? Who's adoring and who's honoring? Plus, the Holy Spirit is a fun one, but Holy Ghost sounds so much more metal. In Genesis 1, 27 God created man and woman to reflect his image. We were designed to be reflections of who he is and what he is like. So he's a hermaphrodite. What does this have to do with sex? Yes, yeah, sex is about two bodies joining together. Oh, uh, yeah. But sex as God designed it is much, much more. Um, I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know how much more it could be other than no clothes on penis and vagina. I mean, that, you know, in, uh, heterosexual relationships, but I mean, there's not much different between no clothes on pussy and pussy, no clothes on <laughs> cocks and buttholes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sex is also two souls being bound together on a profound level. Oh, you are putting a lot to this. Sex unites two people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All the time? I don't know. Because binding... They put this in big, bold, blue lettering. Because binding two souls together is a pretty big deal. God created a secure context in which to experience sex. This is called marriage. <laughs> See, this is where we're falling. People who have had one-night stands clearly have not done this sort of thing. They're supposed to get married, you motherfuckers! God's picture of a healthy sexuality is a man and woman belonging exclusively to each other in marriage. Yet, hmm, <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not uh, saying bad about exclusivity. That's perfectly fine. But, um, you know, 
The world is changing, I guess. This provides a safe environment for both of them to physically give themselves to each other as an act of love, free from fear, insecurity, and shame. We're gonna get naked and put things in each other. Because love bears fruit, does it? Love designed, uh, God designed sex so that one of the natural outcomes of sex is children. Hold on, what is the other natural outcomes? I mean, other than, you know, lubrication and hopefully orgasms and things like that. I guess, okay, I can buy it, I guess. But, you know, the big biological one is, yeah, children. Marriage is also intended to be the secure foundation for a stable environment for children to grow in. And yet, it is not foolproof. So, it is a good one, for sure. But it is not the only one, I think. So, why does God care about the specifics of our sex life? Missionary only, no doggy style. I don't want to have any dog children. <laughs> God is wiser than us. Period. Hmm. He sees and understands everything, okay? So when we take sex into our own hands, which I have done many a time, defining it as we see it, okay, the results are often confusion, betrayal, heartbreak, and even abuse. Excuse me? How does that work? I hope you explain, because none of that actually makes any sense. Okay, because take sex into our own hands. Clearly, that's some fun masturbation joke. Defining it as we see it, because, again, like, you know, you're going to find out what you like. The results are often confusing, because you're probably figuring it the fuck out. Betrayal seems like a jump in the wrong direction, but also, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, so you're probably going to be broken up with once in a while. Heartbreak, just explained it. And even abuse, are these possible? Are often. Okay, the results are often Confusion, betrayal, heartbreak, and even abuse. Yeah, um, I, uh, I don't think it's often. <laughs> I think, I think it happens. I, I wish it didn't. But it seems weird that we have to put, like, God is wise and then have to end it with, like, you're gonna get abused by the end of, like, three sentences later. Does that seem weird to you? Seems weird to me. It's important to note here that even within marriage, sex can be used in God, in the ways God did not intend. Like what? Non-consensual sex happens on both inside and outside marriage relationships. Fair enough. I can see that happening. Where you just say, eh, fine, yeah. <laughs> Which I hope never happens, but... Ugh. <laughs> anyway, yes, that can happen. Um, it's not... I mean, yes. If you're talking about rape, yes. It, it would be something I hope God would not intend. However, if we go back through, like, Leviticus and things like that, um, he doesn't seem to give a shit. But marriage, as God envisions it, is about sacrifice and commitment, not power. Um, I, uh, I don't know, man. I just read a bunch of stuff recently about, like, how, you know, again, when we go back through those three wonderful uh, books of the Bible being like, women need to shut the fuck up and be taken in the field. Um, I don't know if uh, that's the way. At least in the Old Testament. I, I imagine, I hope, that in the New Testament they, um, they throw a bit more about um, this whole sacrifice and commitment bit. Or whatever. Bad decisions have consequences. Also, there's no, like, you gotta fuck your woman? Good. Or you gotta fuck your man? Like, riding a fucking cowboy person. Horse. <laughs> Bad decisions have consequences. When we drink alcohol before driving a car, we understand the chances of something painful happening increase. Uh, well, yes, painful between us and potential death of other people. 
We might think one drink will make a difference, or that we might deserve the drink because we've had a hard day. Yes. But if we crash the car and injure someone, no one will listen to those explanations and free us from the consequences. All right, where are we going with this? Likewise, when we use sex in a good way, in a way God did not intend, we have to prepare ourselves for the consequences. And again, how did God not, like, yes, if we're raping people, that's, that's not good. But it seems to me that there's another explanation for this. And it, I'm going to guess that it's like, if you're having sex and kids don't come out of it, God fucking hates your ass! And then that's probably where they're going to go with that. But they haven't said it yet, so I don't know. This is not God punishing you, but rather the natural after effects of your choices. <laughs> oh, then what the fuck is it then? Come on, man. If It's either one or the other. And also, what did I do? Exactly. You need to tell me, specifically. God wants to protect you from entering into sexual relationships in an unsafe way. What does that mean? He warns us repeatedly to stay as far away from sexual impurity as possible because it's a car wash waiting to happen. Oh, car crash. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Car crash waiting to happen. Matthew 5, 27 to 30, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20, Ephesians 5, 3, and Hebrews 13, 4. God instructs us to only have sex with our spouse because he intended marriage to represent his love, faithful, committed, unconditional, and permanent, and with his dick in somebody. This is a very singy episode. This is longer than the actual first episode. I'm loving how this is going. When God says he loves you, which I don't think he has yet, he means he will never give up on you. Mm -hmm. Even if you betray him. Yet he does. He will give up on your ass. He will still love you. No, I don't think, no. Love isn't just a feeling. It's an action. It's about two people mutually, unselfishly giving themselves to each other. So, if sex is meant to represent love in its purest form, treating it as something designed primarily for our personal satisfaction is misusing a gift given to us by God. So, there we go. There is the thing. It is not. It is supposed to be fun, but it's not supposed to be primarily, specifically, just to be like, let's fuck just to fuck and maybe kill 20 minutes, you know, or 40 minutes, or you know, an hour, or however long. <laughs> Uh, etc. Uh, <laughs> so literally, like any oral sex is pretty much out the door. Anal sex is out the door. So really, vaginal and f spilling fluids within are the only way to go about this. Dumb. What if your unhealthy sexual experiences were not of your own choosing? Oh, okay. This is a great way to put, like, you didn't want to do those things. If you've been sexually abused, and this is weird that it's coming into this particular bit, right? Like, it seems too common. It's vital that you know that God is not displeased with you. Okay, good message. Good sentence, I suppose. Yes, good. Because we don't want guilt, we don't want blame, and it's not your fault if you were the victim. What happened to you was not your choice. Yay! The fault lies with the abuser, good, who will be accountable to God for those actions. Only to God? I think you should be accountable to more things, because, you know, sometimes the law of man works out pretty well for those motherfuckers. God saw what happened, and you have not dishonored him or a possible future husband. Well, you're 
kind of making it sound that way in previous things. If you are struggling to move forward in your life as a result of abuse, see our article on forgiveness. <laughs> okay. What does sex outside of God's design communicate to the world? Sex outside of marriage communicates that commitment is not needed. Sometimes it's not. Masturbation communicates that relationship is not needed. Again, sometimes it's not. Pornography communicates that it's okay to exploit, objectify, and devalue people. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, objectify, I, I can understand because I'm just mostly trying to get a job done. Exploit, uh, it seems to be more on the one side of people. It seems the, the exploit part very much sounds like, how did these girls suddenly wind up with pantsless and laying on the bed? <laughs> oh, I just couldn't fucking handle myself. Oh, where'd this camera come from? And devalue people, I can that I can understand. However, I, I will throw out there that there are AVNs, there's entire uh, fucking um, com, ca, gatherings of, of people who are like, we fucking love you. You know, they become celebrities. That's why the porn stars exist. Rape communicates that consent is not needed and manipulation or abuse are okay. Why is, the, the, in my opinion, the first three are kind of okay. The the last one should be moved to the fucking top, man. <laughs> but okay. Whatever. Some things for you to think about or discuss with a friend or your spouse. One, think about the family environment you grew up in. What did it teach you about sexuality and marriage? Um, behind closed doors and about 10.15, I should probably put my uh, pillows over my face. Two, read the list about what sex outside of God's design communicates to the world. As if anybody gives a shit. There's the thing. No one gives a fuck. Hey, I... I had sex with someone. Good for you. Is all it happens. <laughs> or, even better than that, if you're talking to me being like, Yeah, was it good? What happened? <laughs> Juicy details. Journal about which of these is most challenging for you and why. I just want to tell the world that I got to see a pussy. And I got to fucking, and it was amazing. And that's where I'm imagining most people are going to live. Three, choose a friend who wants to commit to expressing their sexuality according to God's design. Fuck you. <laughs> Plan time to talk regularly about how to work on staying true to your beliefs. <laughs> this sounds like a great way to get laid. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk. You and me, just right over here. Let's talk sexually about things. But we won't do anything. No, no, no. Oh, my God. I got all this wine on my shirt. And how did I fall down? And where did this camera come from? Just so that we can remember what the sex outside of marriage looks like and how bad it would be. And so that we can show other people how bad it could possibly be. Holy fuck, this was nuts. I loved it. Anyway, the next one, Christian sex. What Christian couples are allowed to do? Sex is, uh, we're going justdiscipline.com. <laughs> sex is something that is rarely talked about in the Christian community. Yeah, it should be talked about a lot more often, shouldn't it? Especially with, like, why aren't we having kids? How it can be difficult to know what is okay and what is sinful in the eyes of God. Even though this is an awkward topic to dive into, we must educate ourselves on this topic so that we ensure we bring glory to God in all we do! Man, if I could eat pussy as good as bringing glory to God, I think I should do that. You know? I don't think I should hide that under a bushel basket. 
What is a Christian couple allowed to do in sex? Biblically, and this is all in fucking caps. Biblically, all types of sexual acts are designed only for husbands and wives in the covenant of marriage. Most believe that married couples are allowed to engage in sex that is honoring to God and can use sex toys as well as engage in oral sex if the couple feels as though it is okay for them in their marriage. What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't mean fucking anything. Most believe that married couples are allowed to engage in sex that is honoring God and can use sex toys as well as engage in oral sex if the couple feels as though it's right, okay for them in the marriage. This doesn't actually feel like it goes into the whole thing of the thing we just read of like, oh, there are some things that just don't go well with God. But if you're married, you can fuck each other however you want. And that's neat. But... <laughs> Wouldn't it? I mean, a marriage is a contract, man. <laughs> but either in one way or another, either between you and that spouse, you or God, or who the fuck ever, or the multiple people, as we've seen through various other relationships that do go in through the Christian faith. <sighs> so I'm really, I'm just really hoping they just give me a list of like, you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that. So it sounds like the only thing you're really not supposed to do is just fuck outside of marriage, which is fucking stupid. What? Because honestly, that's a weird compatibility thing that kind of needs to be hammered out because you might marry some guy who's like, you know what I really like? Oh man, I need you to put your feet in my mouth. And it'd be nice to know that before you walked into it. Now, if you knew it before and you experienced it or walked into it or whatever the fuck, and you were down with that, great, fantastic. Looks like you're more compatible than you thought. However, here's the thing. Most folks, and I'm going to go the majority of motherfuckers, kind of want to forget that they have anything below the ankles. I certainly do. I imagine a lot of girls do too, but I don't know. I never really did anything below there because, you know, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going way too far down from everything else. Knees up and elbows in, pretty much. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, if you desire to glorify God in the way he created sex, which I think is a fantastic way to glorify God, being like, I'm glorifying God by fucking constantly. That sounds fantastic. Um, then this post will help you find ways to do so in your relationship. Should I have sex before marriage? It seems pretty clear beforehand. But let's find out. Growing up in a family who considers themselves Christians, which... See, there's a thing. Growing up in a family who considers themselves Christians is also one of those things of like, well, they could be better. Or we're not as good as the Johnsons or the Johnsons are not nearly as Christian as we are is fucking dumb. I was taught since the age of 15 that sex is bad and dangerous and not something that should ever be considered before marriage. Anytime I tried to talk about it with from my family, I was told that it was something we couldn't discuss until I was married and that my grandma would come out of her grave if I didn't wait. <laughs> oh, that's a good test. Being like, let's fuck on grandma's grave. I want to see her again. I got to get that recipe for those goddamn cookies. Well, let's fuck beside the grave. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll have sex beside the grave so grandma has somewhere to come out of. That makes sense. Okay. Plus, we're fucking in a graveyard. Who, who's watching that place? Security. You know. Plus, it's probably somewhere that's like, I'm going to go see Billy for a while. Okay, goodbye. As an adult, I now believe that sex can be a beautiful thing and a fantastic way to grow in intimacy with someone. But this someone should only be your spouse after you have been married, as opposed to what? After, should be your spouse after you've been married? You could just end that sentence. You should be your spouse, period. 
This is not, I mean, I'm, I don't believe it. I believe you should fuck whenever the fuck you feel like it. But, like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is not something that our parents advise us to not engage in just to prevent us from having fun. Because, you know, you could be. God created sex to be between a husband and wife, and we are able to see in this the following verse. In 1 Corinthians 7, 8-9. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say this. Oh. <laughs> what about the widowers, man? It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Okay. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Um. I, I, no, I don't think so. Um, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say. So it's, so the people who haven't gotten hitched yet and people who have been married and the husband died. Nothing about widowers. The guys, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I guess they fall into the unmarried part. But why widows? Why just why not just cut it off at the unmarried? It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am, period. On this kind of throws itself away being like don't do sex. That's all it's saying there. It's saying don't have sex until you find some rando fucking idiot who says like, "Yeah, okay, well, we maybe we should fuck." And at the time, I'm sure when this was written, you could get married in like a day. Let's go, let's go get married right now. Oh my god, I gotta find out what's underneath that shawl. You know. <laughs> As opposed to like nowadays where you gotta like, you know, I gotta meet this person, court them, blah blah blah. Things have fucking changed, man. Dumb. Paul writes in his letter in response to a letter from the Corinthian church. This very clearly states that we should not have sex out of marriage. Hold on. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. It is better. It doesn't say it's best or it's outlawed to do the other thing it's just a better way to go about it this seems to be an opinion piece to me uh yet acknowledge that the sexual temptation is something that we will struggle with i don't know uh, passion is um passion is a easy word to misconstrue a couple of different ways because you can burn with passion lovingly for someone and yeah you might want to fuck them or you can burn the other way like, i just want to fuck them so bad um, this verse is not stating, though, just to go out and get married because you are struggling with your temptation. It kind of sounds that way. You must actively fight your temptation until you feel as though God is leading you into marriage with someone whom you love. How the fuck does that look? What does that actually look like? Because you know what? You're going to go fucking nuts. That's a stupid fucking way. Because you know what? The second, I, I am willing to bet, the second... Someone who you are attracted to, if you're going this route, shows you any attention at all. You're going to think that God is leading you into something. And it might not be. I can't say for certain because I'm not really sure God exists. But I don't really think that that works that way. You know, like you're going to hop into something that you're just going to be like, she was nice once. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, shit, I married this person. She's fucking crazy. How having sex affects you spiritually? Well, I say, oh God, quite a bit. So let's see what happens. The world encourages us to think of sex casualty, casually and pictures it as this amazing thing. And it is, and it is amazing, and I think of it kind of casually. We begin to feel obligated to have sex in order to fit in. Sure, but I want to fit in. And I don't really feel like it's like a, obligatory. I just want to do it all the time. Having done it a couple of times, I like doing it. I like to do it constantly. Let's keep doing it. 
We allow this desire to fit into society's standards and sexual temptation to impact us so much that we end up having sex without fully realizing the ramifications of it. Put on a fucking condom, you idiot. <sighs> having sex is more than just committing the act. Feeling good and fitting in. Is it? Is it more than that? I mean, it can be more than that, but it also can be just that, can it? Just, yeah. Having sex is putting yourself in an incredibly vulnerable position with another person. Okay, fair enough. Giving your whole physical self to person, to someone. Eh. All of it? Because I'll tell you what, I haven't given my asshole to anybody. Not that I, you know. Anyway, uh, whether you are in a relationship or have no feelings for this person, having sex connects you to another person. Yeah, and it's kind of cool that way because you're like, huh, we're connected. Our lives have intertwined briefly and now we get to fucking leave. And it's nice. Close your eyes real quick and think of two separate pieces of paper. If you take these two separate pieces of paper and glue them together, they start sticking to each other, okay? And when you try to remove them from each other, the papers begin to tear. The longer you leave the papers on top of each other, the more they become damaged when you try to take them off. And as they get older, they, uh, you know, the glue starts to fall away. This, my friends, is... <laughs> this, my friends, is what having sex does to your soul. No... No, I just don't think you've had good sex. Whether you're in love with that person or not having sexual sex connects you to... Uh, fuck. What does that mean? Whether you're in love with that person or not having sex connects you as one individual. I don't think this is a good alleg analogy, allegory, whatever the fuck this is. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not really torn about this. The only reason people get torn about this is reading articles like this because they're so indoctrinated Christianly into the whole thing of like, oh, fuck, I did this before I was fucking married, oh, God. And then they feel super guilty. And then they, you know, if they do have the sex with that person, they feel like they're torn because they're so fucking guilted out of their fucking minds that they either really have to dig themselves into the Christian thing or they see through the bullshit and they go through the total opposite way, which can be bad. Or they, you know, do the third choice, which is probably the healthy one, being like, I don't feel bad about this. I had sex. I wanted to. We wanted to. And, you know, month, year, week, day, later, however long, we broke up. Oh, fuck, that sucks. But, um, you know, <laughs> that doesn't have nothing to do with the sexual in intention of it all. That has nothing to do with the moment of it, right? It doesn't. You fuck someone, you broke up. Mm. You might regret that you ever did the whole thing, being like, fuck, I wasted time. But in the moment of the thing, whatever. Now, if you take two, this is the stupidest fucking argument. I've heard other ones being like, well, if you put your dick in people, you know, you fucked everybody that they've ever fucked. And some of that it makes, it makes me go like, oh, so if I fucked a village slut, I've actually fucked a lot of people. Fuck yeah, most of them guys. But, <laughs> you know, hmm. Also, put on a fucking condom. Or, you know, take the pill. Or pull out. You know, whatever. Fucking idiots. Uh, fucking dumb. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it's stupid. When you begin to dis disconnect from this person, or it doesn't work out, uh, a part of you is still connected to them, and the further you are from them, the more damage you cause to yourself. No, no, that doesn't quite work that way. No, no. 
Sometimes you leave. Sometimes they leave. Sometimes they're fucking nuts. Sometimes it just you know doesn't quite work out. Doesn't mean that they're bad people. Doesn't mean that you just have to be. Oh fuck! I put my dick in you. I have to be connected to you forever. No, no, that doesn't fucking work that way. That's stupid. <laughs> so fucking dumb. This is also presuming that they left, and you were wanting to stay, as opposed to thinking, "Well, I left." You know, which is okay. It's not necessarily great, but it, you know, it's, you know, if things don't work out, they don't work out. You know, <laughs> sometimes you got to you need a you need a screw instead of a nail. You know, this physically weighs you down and causes depression, a deeper want for lust, and feelings of unworthiness. Well, potentially, but you know, eh, it'll pass. And I think most of it is coming from the faith here. Please not rush into things just because you want to have sex or feel like you need to show this person you love them. All right, that's fair. That's a solid sentence. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Eh, Proverbs 4.23. Um, sweet sentiment, but I don't think... It seems to juxtapose a little bit what we just said. If it feels right, go do it. You know, as long as you're not murdering or raping people, you know. Unless it's like a role play thing, in which case don't, you know, <laughs> take it to a level. Um, we are called to guard our hearts when you have sex. Or you are placing your heart into someone else's hands, as well as your pieces and parts. Let's make sure they know how to play with it. So please pray and seek wisdom on this, on if, on if this person is worthy of holding your heart before doing so in order to guard it. That's a lot of work on someone else, man. Can this person give me a hand job? Sure, I guess. He doesn't give you an answer. I don't know. <laughs> Uh-oh, she's... <laughs> He's putting his mouth on my puss. Feels pretty great. God, do you want me to do this? <laughs> I'm not hearing a no! <laughs> also, checking in with God before having sex all the time is really probably damaging mentally. Boundaries and loopholes. Here we go. Setting up several physical boundaries is incredibly important for any relationship, but even more so for Christian relationships because of our morals. Fuck you! Before setting up boundaries, you have to decide what lines are important to you not to cross. Yes, this is fair. Got it. But why Why take the moral high ground of like, oh, just because we're Christians, we have limits and morals. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck you. Think of what you can cause more temptation for you in your relationship. Um, baby, you need to stop wearing clothes that are tank tops. I need you to wear some high-necked and deep, deep dresses for me to not think of you sexually constantly. Because God help you if there's an ankle out of place, I'm just gonna start roping jism baby juice everywhere. Fuck you. Also, this seems to make it sound like because our morals are higher, our temptations are also greater. Hmm. Well. Once you've set up boundaries and you have been with this person for a while, temptation will become even more common and you must be on guard. Fuck you! You cannot seek out loopholes in your relationship that will help you get a little bit of what you want while still pleasing God. What the fuck does that mean? Literally, what the fuck does that mean? Because it seems to me you can set up boundary being like, hey, that's an exit only kind of thing and I really don't want to do that. I don't really want to do this. I'm kind of interested in trying this, but I don't really want to try that's its own thing. This makes it seem like, hey, uh, 
you know, we fucked, but, uh, oh shit, I pulled out, uh, uh, whoopsie daisy, fuck you. This doesn't make any, what the fuck does that mean? Let's find out. Apparently there's more to this. You might think, well, if I do this, then my boyfriend-girlfriend will like me more. There is the potential. (laughs) Or the Bible doesn't clearly state that it's a sin, so it's okay. Again, some of them don't. (laughs) You really gotta... (laughs) It's not in the Ten Commandments. Uh, These are lies from the enemy. And you must not give in to them. Let me throw it this way. If you wanna fuck and you're both consenting, go do it. Have fun. Let me be clear. No sexual acts before marriage are acceptable to commit before the eyes of God. So really, you can just ignore every fucking thing that just got said before this. It really just comes down to fucking this. Apparently, in these justdiscipline.com, you can just be like, oh, I want to have sex. I'm thinking about having sex. But okay. But I'm not married, so fuck! And it just kills itself. Ugh. How to set up boundaries. Though batteries can be a little awkward to talk about with your significant other. You must discuss them when you feel the time is right to ensure that you are holding each other accountable as well as respecting each other and God. God, I don't want God in my relationship. I just really don't. He's separate. (laughs) Plus, how am I supposed to get it up with him always fucking watching? How does anyone have a good, well, some people do. (laughs) do How do you have a good, like, sexual in time being like, God's watching me do this. Oh, man, I'm doing so good. Are you watching, Dad? God? (laughs) Pray. Both of you and your significant others should pray individually, asking God to reveal to you what boundaries you should set in your relationship. That's fucking dumb. Write a list. After praying, write a list of the boundaries you need. You can skip the praying because you're just going to make the list. If you are not quite sure what to add, think of what could possibly lead to temptation with your boyfriend slash girlfriend, or you could talk to a close friend mentor. This is fucking stupid. You don't have to give in to temptation. You can fight against it, but, you know, be fucking smart. Fucking dumb. Discuss boundaries. Okay. Once you've come up with your list, uh... Have you and your significant other discussed both of your lists? Fair. Fair enough. If you have different boundaries, discuss them together and be respectful of them uh, if they want to wait to do something that you feel like you're ready for. I I get it. It, it, Yes. Absolutely set boundaries. Absolutely. Totally makes sense. Because, you know, comfort and such. It's smart. But you're already in the temptation. That's where I'm kind of at. You're already sitting fucking in temptation. It's all guilt from this point on. It's all just, like, fucking suffering and just... You're gonna be mad at me. But I really would really... Don't know if I would take a, you know, cock in my mouth. How big is your cock? I don't really know. I mean, I've been really... I've been lollipop champion for so long and I just... I don't fucking know. I don't know either. You have two people who are just trying to figure it out. And then they want to have that awkward time right after they've had like, okay, guys, we're going to leave the wedding now. Goodbye. Oh, okay. Um, so how do we do this? All right. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. I, ugh, that, ugh, that's what a, that looks like. <laughs> Penises don't look pretty. They never have. I mean, you could put a top hat on. They look kind of cute. Maybe a monocle. 
But <laughs> actually, they do look kind of cute that way. Top hat and monocle, fantastic. <laughs> um, fuck, where are we at? Oh, hold each other accountable. Some of us like to try to see how we can tempt each other to justify changing the set boundaries. <laughs> Oops. But doing so is not respectful of your significant other. You're correct. And potentially detrimental to your relationship. Yes. It is unhealthy to do that. You are absolutely right. However, there's, there's, okay, there's different lines of temptation. And there's like different sort of asking, trying sort of things. There's, it's on a spectrum. Temptation being like, oh no, my, my bra strap just keeps falling down. Oh, dropped my pencil. Temptation. Practically harmless. Um, or I, I, I don't know. I don't know how guys do their thing. Been like, oh shit, I just got out of the gym and I'm all sweaty, but oh, this cologne is working out really well for me. Do you see these muscles I'm gaining? Holy shit. Look how much I can lit. I don't know. I got that cool V thing that goes right to my crotch. <laughs> uh, as opposed to tempting, uh, like, um, changing set boundaries. I guess if you're forcing something to happen, which is bad, don't do that. Um, however, we are still human and fall short. Uh, show, treat each other with grace and let your boyfriend, girlfriend know when they are crossing boundaries. Fair enough. If you have had sex outside of marriage already, oh no, what am I going to do? Know that you can still be forgiven by your heavenly father. Go fuck yourself. You are not unworthy of love, thank you, and this does not define you, well, <laughs> because you have a heavenly father who loves you. Then, motherfucker, <laughs> doom and gloom on that first fucking sentence, man. Anyway, sex and marriage. Holy shit, there's so much more to this. Ugh, God, okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna skip the other fucking things. We already kind of got what we fucking wanted. Um... Sex when you're married, a truly beautiful thing, blah, 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 become one flesh, as it says in Genesis 2.24. Um, why don't they put the fucking verses? Part of becoming one flesh in your marriage is having sex, and I hope to have it more often, but, you know, that's always a thing. You see the rawest, rawest, intimate parts of your spouse while also showing yours. You know, you can do that emotionally before, which I think is the hopeful takeaway of this you know because physically it's it's fine you know <laughs> but it's not it, i think emotionally it should be the bigger hurdle to get over not spiritually as they're throwing out there because apparently if god's going to forgive you it's just going to be fine don't rape anybody you know respect your your significant other um but I, I, I don't think that you should put that much weight on the physicality of it all. You know, not not really, because it's a momentary thing. Unless you, cause, because at that point, it becomes an ogling thing. You're just going to stare at each other. You know, and yeah, that's fun. But, <laughs> but you know, I, you know. It's not the biggest hurdle to get over. You know. 
Reading through the book of Song of Solomon with your spouse in order to deepen your intimacy with each other. That's fucking dumb. As well as see the biblical example of how you can glorify God through this aspect of your marriage. Why? Have weird dreams and fuck each other and be really happy about tits? Uh, what do we allow and not allow to do? Sex is something in our society has grown to more talk about blah, 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 blah. What are we allowed to do? Hey, okay, here we go. Here we get the fun shit. Whether you've been married for a while or just a few short months, you may be wondering all that you can do sexually with your spouse in order to increase your bond and enjoy this fact. So where are we at, right? I'm going to put 55 minutes into this. Fucking A. Wondering all you can do sexually with your spouse in order to increase your bond and enjoyment of this act. I created this list of my own research, whoever this person is, so that you and your partner can read it together and decide for yourself uh, what you both feel will be pleasing God and what you want to try in your marriage. Oral sex. You and your partner may be wondering, is oral sex okay for engagement as a married couple? There is no blanket answer to this question because the answer will vary for each couple depending on their comfortability. No fucking shit! Though I cannot give you... An... No, of course you fucking can't, you fucking idiot. Because I don't think anywhere in here, probably somewhere in Deuteronomy or wherever the fuck, is just like, eh, you probably shouldn't put that green, you know, smelly dick in your mouth. Because <laughs> we don't really have a great way to sanitize. Most people nowadays are taking showers daily. <laughs> though, I can, though I cannot give you a for sure answer, I can help guide you through the steps that can help discover your answer for yourself. These are four things you should ask yourself before engaging in different things. Blah, blah, blah. Is it sin? Pff, fuck you. Is it natural? I, I guess. It fits, right? If it, What's that thing? Um, if it's a whole school, score the goal kind of thing. Is this healthy or harmful? Well, depends on what you're doing to it. And is it kind? What the fuck does that mean? John Piper. To hear Piper's thoughts on this subject... <laughs> he probably thinks a lot about oral sex. Blah, 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 blah. Oral sex itself is not stated as a sin. Is it natural? While they could argue that the specific act is unnatural due to the way our bodies are created. We're also created with a desire for each other intimately, and it does seem wise not to put a limit on this particular act as long as it doesn't have... So, as well as anal. So, you know, it doesn't... It's kind of unclear. Um... Is it kind? Well, if you're ramming your cock down your person's throat and they're not quite ready for it, probably not necessarily kind. Um, but, you know. <sighs> Kenneth Ortiz or John Piper have a podcast and uh, you can you can listen more to them. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, they talk about sex toys. Uh, there are also sex toys created by Christians that are not a replacement for your partner, but instead to help enhance your experience. I imagine these are like cock rings and smaller vibrators sort of things. They're not actually full-on dildos. That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, what should be off limits? Um... It's important to note that because of these items, it's got blah, blah, blah. You have open discussion. That's smart. This may be awkward. Blah, blah, blah. Intimacy being open and incorporating new forms of intimacy. Blah, blah. Seek to outdo your spouse in kindness and serving them through this act so that you may bring glory to God. What does that fucking mean? <laughs> you can just say it. It's probably anal. <laughs> Or a bunch of bondage, I guess. You know? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this article in the uh, description here. And uh, I think we're going to wrap up. So that's uh, discussing sex 
in the biblical sense on this podcast. Hope you had a good time, guys, because I certainly had a good time being told by Christians that uh, I need to set boundaries and, uh, you know, glory God unto the highest in my bedroom. And I intend to do just that as often as possible by, uh, you know, super secret uh, acts that I shouldn't discuss here. Anyway, (laughs) I do recommend watching a lot of porn to be sure that you're doing it, you know, (laughs) at least fantastically. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, don't don't get your sexual tips from sex unless, you know, well, you know what? I don't know. Probably watch a couple of sex ed videos and then, you know, gauge from there. Probably watch with your partner. See what happens. You know, maybe they're like, that looks fun and interesting. She seems to be having a good time. He seems to be having a good time. You know what I'd like? Your mouth wrapped around my cock. That'd be fucking great. Okay. Well, we tried. Anyway, you've been listening to The Stupid and you've been gospel to by The Stupid. And please leave a review because you can't get gospel to The Stupid without listening to fucking me. 